When people switch to remote work, goal clarity reduces by about 64% is what we see from the data. What are we trying to achieve here? Why does it matter to the mission of the company? Why does it matter to whether we're in business in five years? that something as granular as me saying, hey, I need JJ to create this report for me this week. I really want to understand how does that tie into the broader strategy? Why are we doing it? The workforce landscape is rapidly changing and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us, you the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together. And it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. What if you could accomplish all of your work-required tasks, all while being surrounded by friends and a curated environment that was made just for your mental health to thrive and your burnout to stay at bay? Well, this is what J.J. Caffey of Order In has set out to create even during this challenging period of virtual-only experiences. Here's our host, Salvatrice's conversation with founder of Order In, J.J. Caffey. Welcome back, listeners. I'm here today with J.J. Caffey, CEO of Order In. Welcome, J.J. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. I learned about you through a good friend of mine, and listened to her podcast, and it was wonderful. So I'm happy to hear that you've said yes to us. And for the audience, tell folks out there what ordering is and how you came about. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat and hopefully to be helpful to your audience here today. So um, as you as you kindly mentioned, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Order In, and we are a membership club for top-tier professionals working remotely. But what we're really building at Order In is a movement to really revolutionize the workday and rebuild the workday from the ground up around human connection. So we are we're throwing out the traditional eight-hour workday. We're throwing out the the office workday and all of the things you may. You you know, have not loved about that experience and just completely reimagining what work should be. Well, thank you so much. I, I think especially now more than ever, given our environment, everyone's really looking for a way to integrate their new realities and really approach work a little differently, right? That experience much differently. I personally have found myself actually doing more now than I've ever did before because there's no travel time and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So tell me a little bit about how 
the structure of order in? What was in, what was intended to, what was I, let's just say, intended to experience through order in? You know, Salvatrice, it has been such a journey. I think that a lot of people can probably relate to the idea that we've been thrust into this remote work world that many of us may not have chosen or intended or expected to find ourselves in. And in some ways, we are no different, my team and I, building this company. So we always wanted to kind of solve these core problems for People like, you know, people like you and I who are working in front of computers all day, I would say that's kind of the the broader category, information workers. These sort of core issues around the way people work that have been made so much worse by remote work. And I think the two big issues that I've always wanted to tackle with this company are a sense of loneliness and isolation that a lot of people are experiencing due to the way that they work. Uh, This was an issue even prior to COVID and prior to remote work that more than half of people feel lonely on a day-to-day basis and the hours we work and the way that we work really exacerbate that. And then the the other half of it, and these two things are so connected, is burnout. Just a sense of, you know, okay, I'm, I'm kind of yes. wasting time in my work day. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not my fault. Yep. I'm wasting the time. It's just like I'm waiting for people or I'm just doing stuff that's tedious. And the day just seems to get longer and longer. And the time that you're allowed to ignore your email seems to get shorter and shorter. So the sense of just burnout and exhaustion and, and stress. And I'm a huge believer in the importance of the physical environment that you're working in and in solving these problems, you know, in person with people and helping them connect with with like-minded people in person. So we did explore physical locations and and sort of in-person experiences. In 2019, we kind of pivoted away from that like office space model. It's just not a great environment economically to be trying to do that, although Again, I still do believe in it. And we were looking to start with physical experiences, particularly this idea of work from anywhere, work from nature, and bringing people together in a community in person with the intention that we would always be doing a digital community, you know, the kind of virtual community that we have now alongside those physical experiences. And then, of course, with COVID, that all changed. You know, we we are doing purely virtual experience right now. The in-person opportunities are, we're hoping, still kind of on the horizon as soon as it's safe. But I think that a year ago, what I imagined was that you might, you know, go work from a beautiful cabin in the woods with a dozen other people who are about that to become amazing. your best friends. Doesn't it? <laughs> sounds amazing. It came from, I'm going to tell you, it came from my own burnout. It came from my own dream. I had days when I was like, my version, my own fantasy was a goat farm. And you'll see that a little bit on our website, the branding, the design. We have this like farm imagery because I had days when I would just be commuting, you know, and I'm in the car and I'm thinking, I wish I could just go live on a goat farm. And never go back to the office. You know, I had that feeling myself. So that's kind of what what spawned that hope. And now we try to create a sense of an oasis and a sense of an escape where you can still be really productive, but not be miserable and stressed out. And we're doing it virtually. And, and now it's still, it's almost like a theoretical place that you can go to. I don't know. That's a little abstract. 
but yeah, we're, we're hoping that's still on the horizon. But for right now, we've been making a huge impact on our members' lives. With a purely virtual experience, I will brag for a second, we've seen from our members that over 80% of our members do feel significantly more productive since joining and, and kind of using our solution. But the staff that means the most to me is that more than 85% of our members have said that they've genuinely made, you know, real authentic friendships in this environment. And the fact that we've been able to achieve this completely virtually is something we're really proud of. It's really so beautiful to hear that, you know, you took your own pain and you turned it into solutions for others, not just yourself. And that's super amazing. I don't know what the future has in, in store for us as far as like the permanency of remote work for the future. I feel as though we're going to be in this for a minute. What are your thoughts about that? Sure. So thankfully, I, I have data about this. I have statistics about this. So I feel fairly confident. Firstly, on on the nature of burnout and everyone being just kind of exhausted by all of this, anyone who's feeling worn down by this, it's not in your head. Um, we have evidence showing that the workday is three hours longer on average since we've all gone remote. Three hours. What's fascinating, people are not wanting to go back to the office. I mean, I think that's been an interesting thing that I've observed coming out of the data over the past year. Only 15% of people say that they want things to go, you know, back to the way they were. I don't think that it's fair to interpret that as saying, you know, okay, everybody wants things to stay how they are now, because we know that that's not true. But I think people would love to keep a little bit of a best of both worlds situation. Maybe sometimes you're in the office, sometimes you're at home and you have your flexibility. But all of those upsides that we see that you can be in your home, which for many people is a more comfortable environment than an office, for many people... It isn't, actually, and I think we should be aware of that. But you, you know, you're not commuting, for instance, is a lovely, a lovely perk that people are enjoying. The flip side of that is the expectation that you're always available. And that's where you see that extra, you know, three hours in the workday that I predict is is really unsustainable. But in terms of the future of how long this is going to last, I think that you can you can look to real market leaders in employment in the tech industry at least and say okay microsoft has decided that you can be remote forever you know huge companies are are giving up their leases in the office buildings where they used to have their offices and saying okay this is permanent for us and the data that we have is that we're expecting to see a 400% increase in remote work that is permanent at least a third of the workforce is going to be working remotely at least for part of the week in 2021 and beyond. So this is something that was always gradually happening and mm-hmm. it's it's hugely accelerated and there's no going back. Remote work is is here to stay. I would agree. Thank you so much for sharing the data with us cuz you know, as as we all know, these are certainly challenging times and we're definitely going to see some shifts in our environments and very thankful that order in is really sharing their thoughts or their solutions around remote work and building those experiences. And even though that we may go back, some industries may, some industries may not, some industries may do uh, kind of like this mixed work environments. We're so happy to hear that order in is pivoting and is responding 
to the needs of remote workers and this being a potential solution for some of those individuals that still need to work remotely when we do go back to still need to work remotely and have these experiences. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. That's so kind of you to say. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you are solving a huge pain for some. And and that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. I mean, that is entrepreneurship. Our entrepreneurship is, you know, addressing an issue and coming up with a solution. And and, and in, the, in your particular case, it was like, this is my pain. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. came up with a solution for it. And it's awesome. And it's awesome. And you're sharing it. And which leads me to really kind of think about if I can shift gears a little bit in the arena of entrepreneurship, we have, you know, you know, you are an entrepreneur, a trailblazer in this industry, in this space, in your space you're working really hard, you're doing all the things, you have good days and bad days. I mean, the typical entrepreneurial journey. We are an academic institution that are that's fostering and cultivating the up and coming employee or the up and coming entrepreneur looking to navigate their own ventures. So I want to shift gears a little bit because I'd love to hear your thoughts around tips on what you would give our newly graduated students, knowing what you know, what, you, what you've gone through and your experiences and navigating through this future world of remote work and someone who's looking for A, a job or B, you know, start their new venture. What tips might you give them? Absolutely. So something I've been so excited to see actually, is within our own membership, the enthusiasm we're seeing from Gen Z. My co-founders are both 10 years younger than I am. They are both, you know, Gen Z themselves and, Mm -hmm. you know, earlier in their careers, of course, but just bring this extraordinary perspective to the table. And they're so fantastic and so talented. So I'm aware you know, kind of secondhand aware, but I'm aware that it is not an easy job market out there right now if you are newly graduated and you're looking for work. And so I guess the first thing I'll say is I I really hope that people out there who are hiring right now, you know, see the value and see the just the extraordinary ability and insight and enthusiasm that recent grads and that younger people can bring to the table. Because I met these folks, you know, my two co-founders now who are in their their early 20s and said, okay, I want you guys to be, you know, basically my equal partners in this venture. And I don't care that you don't have 10 years experience doing this. And so I hope people are going to be, you know, open-minded about, even though it's a tough market, um, what people are really capable of. In terms of the tips I would give to them, I'm going to be honest, Salvatrice, you're probably, I mean, you certainly are, are more of an expert than I am on that moment of transition. It's been a while since I've been there, but I can speak as someone who has been hiring students and and recent graduates. And I think there are maybe a couple of things to potentially keep in mind uh, in terms of the impression that you're making. And so the first one I'm going to talk about is being scrappy and self-directed. I think that managers, if you put yourself, you know, if you're in this position right now as as someone who's recently graduated, you're looking for work, if you try to have empathy for the, the person on the other side of the table, the manager who's hiring you, they're used to, and they've spent who knows how many years, they're used to this environment where they're going to be working with you in person. And so they can mentor you in person. And I think the biggest thing they've lost, they used to be able to observe your work in person, both to help and for mentorship and to teach. 
you know, if they're, if they're good managers, right? And then maybe if they struggle as managers, maybe they really relied on that ability to observe your work to know whether you're doing a good job. So I think if I was applying for jobs right now, I would want to try really hard to understand what the goals are of the role. Like, okay, what is, what is the person who takes this job expected to accomplish? How mm-hmm. is the person managing me going to know whether it has been achieved or not, right? right. And then what can I do to project a sense of, of ability and just capableness that I can do that and I can communicate to them that I have done it without them needing to come by my desk since that's no longer an option. And I think something that's so wonderful about students and, you know, recent grads and younger professionals is this enthusiasm and this eagerness to learn. And I know that characterized my own early career, but I think a huge change that we're seeing is, you know, people are in crisis mode. And I think if you're going to hiring managers and saying, you know, oh, I'm here to learn, it's a beautiful thing, but they they may respond, you know, in their own heads, okay, I no longer have the ability to teach you the way that maybe I did. So, you know, you might need to, to try to take that energy and think, how can I learn without my boss really teaching? How can I learn things on my own? How can I jump in and be helpful and be useful and and not necessarily just be eager, but be, you know, high impact? That's a good perspective too. I mean, you gave such awesome tips, but it sounds like to me too, I mean, self-starting. We have to be self-starters. You hit something right on the head for me because, you know, I was going to ask you actually that same question, but in reference to employers in your stage of development with Order In, you know, what kind of advice can you provide for employers to promote some, you know, good work habits while working remotely? And, 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 you know, if there's anything that you can share with the employers on tips on how they can make it, make their employees experience just a little bit better. Absolutely. So from an employer perspective, I'm going to sound, okay, I have, I have an MBA from Wharton and I'm going to sound very Wharton MBA in the beginning <laughs> of this. totally response, okay. But, but bear with me because, oh, I have a framework, right? We have frameworks. So, and I'm going to talk about two. The first one is balancing, and this is a bit more abstract, so I'll be brief because the second one is, I think, a little more like, okay, here's how you do it. But there's, there's these two things that we really need to do for the people that we're leading. And that is respecting their privacy and respecting their humanity. And, and those two things can have some tension between them, right? If you think about the history of work, like I'm like, you know, I'm yep. going to be brief on this and I'm going to rewind like 500 <laughs> years to, to agriculture. No, but if we think about the history of work, where did people perform labor? If you worked for someone else, you are doing your work sometimes in your own house, sometimes in their house. If we're thinking like the downtown Abbey era of maybe you were going into domestic service, in somewhat more recent history, you might be doing work uh, in a factory or in our most recent history, a lot of people do work in an office. I don't think, and and I'd, I want to look into this now, but I don't think we've ever had a situation before where your boss came to your house to watch you work, right? Right, right. That's completely new. And it's so weird. It was never possible before because theoretically, if you're someone's boss, you're not only one person's boss. So you would have 30 people and you're not going to like go to their houses. So it is weird and uncomfortable that we can physically see on video 
our employees' homes, you know, and that maybe they're using their own kind of private equipment to do their work in their house, and you're going to see their children and hear their spouses. And and so it's about this balance that, you know, if you swing too far in one direction, you might be being really invasive and, and weird, right? to kind of, you want to give them some privacy in their life, especially in a strange situation. But if you swing too far in the other direction, we don't want to treat people like machines either. We want to acknowledge that they're human beings with lives and feelings and, you know, families who may very well end up on camera. And I think it's about striking that balance and prioritizing that person's comfort and that person's feeling of, and and here's my advice for that balance for both of those things, prioritizing demonstrating respect for the people that you lead. I respect you enough to respect your privacy. I respect you enough to acknowledge that you are a person and that you, you know, are just figuring this out like the rest of us and not treat you like you know, oh, you, you're a PowerPoint creating machine and I'm just going to send send you this thing that I need and expect it back and I don't care what's happening to you. You know, you don't want to do that either. The other piece of advice I have is really more of a framework that I, I hope is directly actionable, which is all about goal clarity. So when people switch to remote work, goal clarity reduces by about 64% is what we see from the data. And that means people's understanding of what am I supposed to do and why, right? So there's really three steps to improving goal clarity and making your employees' lives a little better. And this is this is a bit of the flip side of what I'm saying. Okay, if you're a student, if you're looking for work, try and understand what are you supposed to achieve and how do you know when you've achieved it, you know. Similarly, I think it's something that we have an opportunity right now as managers to improve on, that maybe this is something that we haven't done perfectly in the past, um, and it's actually a great opportunity to say, okay, what are we trying to achieve here? And be just like incredibly clear about it. Why? Why does it matter to the mission of the company? Why does it matter to whether we're in business in five years? That something as granular as me saying, hey, I need JJ to create this report for me this week. I really want to understand how does that tie into the broader strategy? Why are we doing it? That's step one. Step two, making sure you know how you're measuring success and, okay, so this is, this is important to our company's strategy because of X, Y, Z reasons. Okay, how do I measure whether JJ, I'm just talking about myself here because, you know, it's easiest. How do I measure whether JJ did a good job on it? I don't want to measure that by like how many hours I believe she was sitting in front of her computer because if you really think about it, that's not going to translate to the company's success, right? That's, it's just, it's too easy to rely on that. So how do we measure what a good job looks like? And, and then, you know, and having clarity on why it's important is what's going to allow you to figure that out. Maybe that measurement means, okay, success here looks like we need this increase in revenue. We need this many more customers, or we need to get back to, you know, the customers we already have on time, or we need to achieve, you know, whatever, but it should be, quantifiably measurable. And then step three, and this is one of the hardest parts, is communicating that with real clarity to those employees and to the people who you have a a real responsibility to as a leader because people are so stressed. They're so nervous and they're not getting the feedback that we rely on on an in-person setting. I mean, it's a little thing, right? But think to think to working alongside someone who's your boss. You're sitting there, you're working on something, they walk by, they say hey to you, and they smile. 
it's such a small thing. But the fact that they smiled at you, right, it's like, it's this little, like, almost subconscious reassurance that they're happy that you're there, that they are not mad at you, you know, whatever it might be. (laughs) And so people don't, don't get that. And I think that a lot of the time there is an uncertainty. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I doing a good job? Is it good enough? And what people could really use is just to understand, okay, I need you to finish these five things by this time for this reason. And I'm going to measure success based on these criteria. And this is when I'm going to be measuring it and really over communicating what those expectations are. And I think that that's just an enormous stress relief for people who you're managing to just have no uncertainty around whether they're doing a good job. They might not even need you to evaluate their work, they can know ahead of time, did I succeed at this goal? Right. And, and, and we forget, you know, as managers, as leaders, we forget sometimes that these are very clear, simple, yet impactful steps to take when we're working with our teams. And you said something in the, the first step, step one being goal clarity. And sometimes that's the hardest, most difficult thing to communicate. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's because sometimes we're just either on autopilot or we make assumptions or we just forget to remind folks on why we're here and what we're doing and why we're doing it. I mean, I think that step is so tough because it also forces you as a leader to be honest with yourself. Right. Um, and, and that's where it can be really valuable too. Maybe you don't know why you're doing something. <laughs> That's right. right? And I, I got to tell you, I've had, I've had those moments. Yeah. I've had those moments. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why am I asking this? Right. It's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Is, is this actually a waste of time? Do I need to go to my boss and say, hey, my responsibility is to manage a team to achieve X, Y, Z. Help me understand what the bigger vision is for some of these pieces that we're doing. Right. And That's right. Because if you don't understand it yourself, you know, you're going to just sound parental in that like because I said so right you don't want to be like because I said so that's right that's right and I think we can also have a tendency I think autopilot is such a good word I think we can have a tendency to assume that things are obvious when they're not like a lot of what I just said actually might sound kind of obvious like of course you need to do this but I think we can assume that oh people definitely know why this matters and sometimes they really don't because they are worried about like getting their kids you know, to their online school and they're worried about keeping their families safe and they're worried about earning their paycheck. And I think surprisingly few employees, not surprisingly, like unsurprisingly, you know, how, mm-hmm. how often do you think the people working for you are sitting up at night thinking, you know, wow, next year's strategy for the overall company, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just right. not their job. Right, right. And we as leaders and CEOs of companies, you know, we have to take a moment to really kind of think about, you know, what's going to motivate me? What's going to keep me positive? How am I holding myself accountable? How am I measuring myself? You know, we we often think about how are we measuring our teams and productivity and very little do we do we hear, well, I've got to hold myself accountable and this is how I do it. Mm-hmm. In your findings as a CEO, a founder, what have been some of your your findings around that piece of motivation, positivity, and accountability as a leader in your space? Well, this is such a sweet spot for us. I, I love this question. 
the reason that we we are specifically rebuilding the workday around human connection is that it's both the greatest joy that I think most of us take in our work. You know, we take kind of two kinds of joy in our work when we are lucky enough to take any joy in our work which are, you know, making mm-hmm. some kind of impact or achievement that we're proud of. And the other is the connections that we have with human beings. And it is through those relationships and through those connections that most people find accountability. So at Order In, among our members, we have something called accountability buddies, which is such a goofy I know. Say that again. Say that again. Accountability buddies, right? I it's love such it. A, it was a placeholder name that we were going to replace <laughs> uh-huh. with something that sounds more grown up and then everyone loved it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh-huh. it's still called that. It's so silly. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's an accountability buddy. And a lot of people really need that. I think there are people among us who are completely uh, responsible to themselves when they say, I am going to go to bed by 10 every night. You know, I am going to eat healthy and drink a, you know water, whatever it is. And then they do it with no one checking on them. But that is not most people. You know, we were not born and, and evolved to do things alone. And so I think finding your people and finding community is the most important part of, of accountability. And we actually have a whole blog post about this. We don't put a lot of blog posts out into the world at order in, but we do put sort of in-depth research-based guides on like how to do X, how to do Y, when we really think we have something to say. And one of them is about setting goals and turning those goals into actionable plans and then actually doing them. And a huge piece of it is to decide ahead of time, again, how am I measuring that goal and who am I accountable to? And can I get them to agree ahead of time to like check in with me? You know, can I, if I'm, if I've decided I'm running a marathon in a year, I'd better put it on my calendar right now when I'm going to check in on myself of how I'm doing and who's going to help me out. And so that's a huge part of what the community is for. And that's the relationship I've been lucky to find with fellow founders, with, you know, some people who are potential investors and mentors and with my co-founders. And then often even I've had accountability buddies who are just members in our community, you know, and, and having the chance to actually communicate with another person. Like, these are the three most important goals that I have for today. And then have them like ask you later, okay, how's it going? You know, it makes such a big difference, even though it's simple. I love that. I love that. I'm going to create my own accountabuddies. Is that Anybody what can. <laughs> yeah, accountability. Anybody, you don't even have to, you don't even have to pay us to... <laughs> You can just find, you know, but, um, but if you want Uh, to be, this is, I'm not even trying to do a commercial for myself, but you know, we'll do it for you, but anyone can do it for themselves. If you can kind of talk your friends into it, a random word of advice. I it's, it's a little tough. Your coworkers are probably not the best person for this Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's personal for them, whether you do your work, you know, if you're like, I don't feel like it, I'm not doing it. I'm having, you know, they're going to be like, well, that's great for you, JJ, but I can't do my job unless you do your job. So like, come on, don't be a jerk. So you have to find someone who's a little removed from the situation that you can be vulnerable and honest and authentic with. And then it's a, it's a wonderful thing to have. That's awesome. Very good. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. I promise you. And I will report back. Yeah, no. So if we were getting serious, you have to like send me a calendar invitation for when you're going to tell me whether you've done it. Well, you never know what happens after this call. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. JJ, can you close us off with one personal best practice on avoiding 
burnout when working from home? Absolutely. No, I definitely can. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. What if you could get the best work of your life done in half the time you currently spend on it while surrounded by friends? That's the dream, right? And that's what I've I've built for myself. And I think for me, like the single best practice that, that has brought that to life for me is we we have something called deep work. And again, you don't need order in to do this. We set aside chunks of time every day that are for deep focus work. And you just, you know, you turn your phone off, you close your Slack, you close your email, and you just spend a few hours doing something hard. And for me, I mean, so that means you're not supposed to just be like doing your emails. You're not supposed to do like 15 like little random tasks. It's like, okay, what is the interesting, challenging, you know, extraordinary work that I wish I could be doing or that, you know, the reason that someone's really paying me or whatever it may be. And we've had members say, you know, oh, I got something that normally takes five hours done in like 40 minutes. The experience that I've had myself is being able to create time to do the work that as an entrepreneur, I'm most proud of. The time that is spent innovating and creating, not just being reactive and answering other people, but the time that I get to spend really building something that I intend to be transformative and extraordinary. And my biggest challenge in my workday is stopping the workday. I think anyone who is you know, in a leadership position or an entrepreneur can relate to that is this idea at the end of the day, like, did I do enough? Is it okay to be done now? I want to keep working because I love what I do, you know, whatever it may be. And for me, having that time set aside every day where I can say, okay, I did really extraordinary work during this period of time. And because of that, I get to say, I am done for the day and I am going to go outside and take a walk. I think that's been really transformative for me. So I think finding and protecting that time to do the work that you really care about versus just just being reactive to other people, which can leave you both exhausted and, and feeling like you didn't achieve what you wish you had. I love it. Deep focus work. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's important. It's really important. And you feel a total sense of accomplishment too. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, JJ. I know you're super, super busy. You're an entrepreneur doing an entrepreneur doing great things, wonderful things in this space. And we're rooting for you. You've got a cheerleader in us here. Oh, thank and, you. And um, I really look forward to to seeing what's next for Order In and how you how you're pivoting to this new these new environments. And thank you so much. Thank you so so much for your wisdom and your talent you know, most importantly, spending it here today with us and sharing it with our audience. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And yes, absolutely best of luck to everyone navigating this right now. I hope I've been able to be helpful. I hope I can continue to be helpful in any way I can. People are welcome to reach out to me on Twitter or check out our site and the, you know, the resources that we put out there totally for free to whoever needs to learn. And of course, you know, I have to say it, of course, apply for membership if it sounds like a good fit for you. We are only taking a few people right now. But um, again, we, we just really hope to to be helpful to folks in the future. So thank you for, you know, giving me the chance to chat to your audience and, and best wishes navigating all this. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.